our Lord had said he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but rather to fulfill them. And the fulfilling of the law consists not only in keeping each and every part, element of it, but also, as our Lord goes on to show now, the spirit of it. It is also necessary that the um, that the each person observes the law in its detail. That is not just looking at what it is we not to do, but also what we are to do. The Lord says particularly, if your virtue goes no deeper than that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. He does not deny that the Pharisees and the scribes had some degree of virtue. They did, because they were concerned about the observance of the law. But it was a case of lip service. They were interested only in observing the minuti, the details, without any love and certainly without any desire for improvement in, in their lives. And so, for instance, in, in the case where the disciples were eating corn, picking corn and, and shelling it and eating it, they were criticized for that by the, the Pharisees because it appeared to break the Sabbath. In fact, it did break the Sabbath. But our Lord pointed out to, to them that the spirit of the law was concerned with venerating the Sabbath, that is, increasing love for God. And the, the commandment about um, picking and so on was to ensure that this was not done for profit, but it could be done to save life, in particular to alleviate hunger. But what is disturbing, or should be disturbing for us, is the Lord says, if we do not, if our virtue is not greater, deeper than that of the scribes and Pharisees, we will not get into the kingdom. He goes on to enumerate the various commandments. And he begins with the greatest in the second tablet, basically love of neighbor. You've heard, you've learned how to say to your ancestors, you must not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Very clear, very definite. In the second tablet, it is the greatest of the commandments. One, because God alone is the Lord of life and death. God alone has the authority and the right to take human life. Therefore, to violate this is to usurp God's rights and dignity. Secondly, we do an injustice to our neighbor. One that is irreparable, because once you've taken a person's life, that is the end of the person's pilgrimage here on earth. There is no way that we can restore this. If we steal their property or damage their name, we can make reparation. 
But once you've taken their life, that's it. We cannot. It's beyond our power to make restitution. So he says, the Lord begins with this most important commandment. It is important in our time because life, human life, has been taken in the womb and human life has been taken outside of the womb. If anyone does kill, he's put in the Mosaic law. He must answer for it before the court. And this, in fact, is what the law of Moses had established. In fact, the law, the Mosaic law established three courts. There was the, um, the lowest court, which dealt with small matters. It was composed of three judges, and to deal with things like theft or uh, um, uh, cursing and, and so on. Then there was the lesser Sahendrin, which dealt with things like murder. And this was constituted by 23 judges. And this would deal, as I said, with things like murder. And then there was the highest court, the great Sahendrin, which is called the council. And it is before this our Lord appeared. And this was composed of 72 judges. And it would try greater matters such as apostasy, idolatry, um, false prophets, and so on. This is the reason that our Lord was brought there, because he was charged with the greatest of crimes. Blasphemy. Our Lord says then, if anyone does kill, he'll be brought before the middle court, the one of the 23 judges. But I say this to you. <clears throat> Who gave the law? Well, God gave the law through Moses. Who can change the law? Only the one who gives the law. Not even Moses could change the law. So how can Christ say, I say to you? Unless he is in fact saying that he is the one who gave the law in the first place. I say this to you, anyone who is angry with his brother will answer for it before the court. Well, this is exactly the, the same um, court that judges murder. Yet to be angry is judged by the court that judges murder. And then he goes on, a man who calls his brother fool will answer for it before the Sahendrin. The highest court, the one that deals with blasphemy. So now we can begin to interpret what our Lord has said. If a man calls his brother renegade, he will answer for it in hellfire. The court, <clears throat> the court that deals with murder, our Lord says, will also deal with those who are angry. Because before we arrive at murder, there has to be anger. A, send, a desire for vengeance. And our Lord, by uprooting this, uprooting anger, also uproots its fruit, which is murder. So he's showing that the beginning of anger, the parent of anger, is being judged. But then... Anger is a passion that rises within. 
before we have done anything, the anger is there. And the anger begins to express itself with words. And so, if a man calls his brother fool, he is now expressing the anger, he will answer for it before the highest court, the Sahendrin. Well, what does the Sahendrin deal with? Blasphemy. So to call a brother fool is nothing other than blasphemy. Why? He says a brother, that means a fellow Christian. To call a Christian a fool is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Because surely, aren't we living the life of the Spirit? And anyone who, who is moved by the Spirit cannot be a fool. Unless we call God himself a fool. Scripture does say that God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. But then when we go even further and call a person a renegade, then the judge is, then will answer for it, not in a court, but in hell fire. In other words, we completely lost our souls. Who is saying this? But he who claims, by the very fact he's saying it, to be God. He who is truth itself. And therefore, we can do nothing other than believe him. If we don't believe him, we will certainly pay the consequences. So then the Lord tells us what we are to do. If we find ourselves with a disagreement with another. If you're bringing your offering to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Why would your brother have something against you? Because you did something to your brother. That's why. So he says you have the obligation if you've offended someone to go and make reparation. Leave your offering there. Go and be reconciled first. Then come back and make your offering. Whether you accept your apology, your, is accepted or not, is irrelevant. The fact is that you have caused an offense, you have an obligation to make reparation for it. The Lord is even willing to lay aside his rights in the offering because he values human concord so much. Also, in acknowledging that we've done wrong and going to apologize is an act of humility. And so we beat down our pride, which is going to speak about later on. So then the Lord tells us, come to terms with your opponent in good time. When is the good time? Well, today is the good time. Today is the day of salvation. While you are still on the way to the court with him. So who is our opponent? But our conscience, which reproaches us for what we have done. And so we need to be reconciled with our conscience. In other words, we need to confess our sins. Or, he may hand you over to the judge. And because we have no answer, the judge will hand you over to the officer. And you'll be thrown into prison. So, there is definitely a punishment. Imprisonment. But what kind of prison? I tell you solemnly, it who is speaking, he who is truth. He who knows what the afterlife is like. I tell you solemnly, you will not get out till you've paid the last penny. 
So we see that it's possible to get out, but only when justice has been satisfied. When the soul leaves the body, there is no longer any mercy, there's only justice. It's only now, whilst the two are together, that there's a possibility of mercy. So then, we will either end up in purgatory, in which case we will pay the price, and having paid it, be freed, or we will fall into hell, where it's impossible to pay the last penny. Let us then ask that as we go through the, this 5th, 6th and 7th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, that we will, the Holy Spirit will throw light on our, in, our, in our lives and in our souls so that we might conform ourselves and that our virtue be deeper than that of the scribes and the Pharisees and that we be able to enter into eternal life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today. Mm-hmm.